Hello humans, welcome to Audio Face, a reference podcast about the music news and music culture that mostly matters. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. This is episode 241 of this um, explosive podcast. And on this episode, we have new singles, uh, some new, new singles so explosive, I cannot even mention them by name. More on that in just a moment. And we've got <laughs> albums, um, including Physical Thrills by The Silver Sun Pickups, Nicole by Nikki, all caps, and Freak Out Slash Release by Hot Chip. Um, and for uh, upcoming for members this week, there's not going to be much of a members portion, so we're going to shuffle things around. Uh, for the free audience, you get a special little news story we'll do, just like old times. Uh, we'll end with a little fun note. And then for the members, you're going to be getting our Muse Burnus early. That's going to be dropping. I mean, honestly, that's already dropped if you're listening to this episode of Audio Face, so go ahead and listen to that. If you are on the public-facing side of things and you haven't heard this episode, uh, relax. It'll be dropping basically a day before, one or two days, I'll figure out when I do it, uh, just before the newest Muse record comes out. So you'll be able to get our big history of Muse all in one thing. Oh, and I decided, because I'm just doing the export right now as I'm um, doing this recording, uh, rip my computer, but I included our... um, a little clip snippet from the very first episode of Audio Face, where you were right, Sean. We did review Dig Down by Muse. And I have a little bit of audio of us talking about that. And I think that's kind of amazing to that's be hilarious. able to include in episode 240 of Audio Face. So um, right. if you were if told either one of us that you're going to make it to 240 back in episode I one. Been like... I'm like, wait, we, I'm like, wait, we didn't like just quit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let me stop myself there because I almost made too too close of a joke. Anyways, um, this let's start with the singles. We have "Hoodie" by Ari Lennox. This came out a couple of weeks ago, but you know, albums we're pretty caught up with. I'd say singles we're starting to uh, fall behind a little bit, but you know, it's okay. Um, anyways, Ari Lennox's "Hoodie" it's a very classic track. You know, I mean, people, especially now, you know, as we're ending summer, so to speak, and heading into cuffing season. JK, there's no such thing as cold weather. It's global warming forever, bitches. Um, no, no, but like as we enter in the winter, when it's um, the time when um, uh, girls steal their boyfriend's hoodies, this seems to be the perfect track for that. it's a good it's a really good uh neo pop track i like it I like Ari Lennox is just a fantastic artist i really like hoodie um i like the production on it you know has some uh funky beats into it which you know the dan the dan funk is back tour is in its prime right now just pumping out just singles albums projects all the time um but yeah i, I really enjoyed it i think hoodie's good and i'm I don't know if she has a full project in the book soon, um, but would like one from her. Yeah. Um, yeah, Funk is alive and well, as Squidward would say. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely really great. Uh, I'm sure it'll be the theme song for folks who go and eat hot chip and lie and steal their boyfriend's hoodies. Anyways, uh, what, what's what's the next single we have coming up here? Um, I don't... There's no way to pronounce this, um, but I'm just going to call this Elon Musk and Grimes' 18th kid. Um, that's what I'm going to call it, also known as Aquarium Daddies. That's what I'm just going to call it from now on. Um, okay. It's Fortet's um, side project of just symbols. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly, there's no possible way I can describe this to you. I don't even know what language I can describe. Maybe call them wingdings. <laughs> I've got feelings. Wainteens. This is like, is, is, is this Gen Z hieroglyphics? Yeah, wing, I mean, like, well, Wingdings is like Gen X hieroglyphics because that like old Windows font, there's just like random uh, shapes sure. and formats. Um, but uh, 
anyways, this is a nice little house track. We, we've heard a little bit of Fortet, oh, yeah. um, in fact, fairly recently too. So we don't want to double up on our singles rule here, but we're fairly certain to see that like this will be different from any sort of Fortet project. It's very clearly like a side project type thing. Um, it's very hard to even discover these kinds of songs because it's. I'm gonna say, how do you even discover this? Because I never knew this from Fortet either. Um, I knew about this, but like I've always knew, like I oh yeah, squiggly, squiggly, yeah. Um, but no, it's <laughs> much like you know, Caribou has Daphne. There are a lot of artists who have like side versions of them, especially I mean, in electronic less music. Ends with uh, Tori and Moi. Yeah, um, one of my favorite side projects. <clears throat> Diplo it's good, with really good yeah. track. I was gonna say Diplo with like so many electronic arts projects. I like but... Diplo with I'm like which one, which one, which one. Um, but. Uh, Squiggly Beats Part Two is uh pretty good. I like I like this. Uh, I really like this track. Yeah, I think it's really solid. I want to see you know the proper fortet sort of mix going forward. But there's a nice little thing here for our little singles aside. Um, for everything else going on in Syndicate Twenty Three Network, we did Power Report Episode Fifty Two with Abelina Sabrina. We talked about uh Jeff Bezos uh, complaining about being harassed by the U.S. government. It was one of my favorite stories I've done in PowerPoint all year. <laughs> fucking great. I, I, I le- like both Abilene and I read the whole story and we we're like, where's the problem here? Usually we read a news story and we're like, oh, there's a problem we need to dissect. This is not, nah, this is all great. Dark Brandon no, Rises, let's like- fucking go. Um, we talked about that. We talked about a lot of interesting work that Abilene and Sabrina has actually been doing on how cops uh, very routinely do the direct opposite of protecting women. In fact, oftentimes making women's lives a lot harder. So we went into that. Also, um, AI-generated nudes. Uh, you can have that to look forward to on the members portion of um, PowerPoint. You can become a members by becoming a Syndicate 23 member. Join.syndicate23.co to get all that bonus members content, including on the audio face side, like the Muse bonus. You'll get that stuff uh, way ahead of time. And then you'll also get some stuff that never actually becomes public. Um, so definitely check that out. And yeah, our untitled 2022 AF playlist. Check that out as well. So all the songs we like from the past episode, which there were many, this episode, which there will be many, and um, forward. Make sure you keep up with all the songs we like from 2022 there. And thank you, Peter, for mastering this episode mm-hmm. uh, at PJS Mixed It on Insta for all of your audio production needs, whether it's podcast or um, music, because I know a lot of people are getting their fall releases ready, especially in Los Angeles mm-hmm. now. So check them out there at PJS Mixed It on Instagram. And so, with that, I, I actually flipped around the singles, um, I mean, the albums this week, because I was very excited about doing this one. Um, also, want to do something a little bit different here. We have Physical Thrills by Silver Sun Pickups, 14 songs, 52, 53 minutes long. And yeah. Silver Sun Pickups, Sean, they're one of your favorite bands. Um, you, we've been able to I, review them a couple of times here on Audio Face, and maybe not your favorite band. Go ahead. No, one of my favorite bands. I absolutely love Silver Sun Pickups. Actually, we should do a bonus episode with them sometime because this is now the second album that we've reviewed um, for Silver Sun Pickups. Last one was Widow's Weeds in 2019, which we both genuinely liked. I mm-hmm. thought it was a really good step direction, a step in the right direction from them after Better Nature. Where Better Nature was more of experimentation, um, and then Widow's Weeds was kind of getting back to the root of where they started. Uh, but more of like an aggressive-ish sound of alt-rock. Um, and then we had like some different random things too of singles and stuff we've gotten for the past couple of years since that was about three and a half years ago that that released. But Physical Thrills is, to me, it might actually be their most complete record. And that's saying something for a band that has been making music for 20 years plus. I would say I'm less of a Silver Sun Pickups fan than you are. Um, I've really only kind of caught on to them while kind of doing this podcast, one of the things I enjoyed about doing this podcast. Um, and yeah, Widow's Weeds was just like really one of my favorite albums of 2019, alternative yeah. or otherwise. There are so many songs from there. Uh, Neon Wound, Freakazoids, Bag of Bones, this title track itself, We Are Chameleons. They just like... I, at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything said, brass tacks, etc. I'm looking for songs every single week that stay with me. And yeah. Silver Sun Pickups has had a pretty phenomenal record of like creating music that stays with me and my very short understanding of being with them. That's a long-winded diatribe to say that somehow Physical Thrills is better and I'm just going to jump right into it. Sticks and Stones is the best alternative rock song I've heard this year so far, full stop. I think 
Yeah, I think Stick and Stones is very good. This is, to me, an in- very interesting from a Silver Sun pickup standpoint because there are many songs I absolutely love from uh, their first record, uh, Karen of Us, which I can never pronounce, and then from Swoon, their second record, two albums that I've listened to since they were released. Um, and But the thing was with even those like early successful records, there was always a couple tracks here or there that were kind of throwaway and never really stuck with me. But there was maybe like four or five tracks off of uh, those two albums, um, so maybe 10 tracks total, that have lasted with me my whole life, right? With Physical Thrills, they, this is, to me, top to bottom, it plays through the best thing that they've ever made. Like, it is such a complete work from them. And in a space to where it, to me, is their most mature sound, it is them experimenting a lot with some stuff that they had in Better Nature in 2015, but they didn't really get to do too much with On Middle's Weeds. They get to do some of their sounds from Swoon, some of their sounds from, uh, shit, I can't think of the 2012 record off the top of my head, but it's a song of like the pit that I was trying to... The, Neck of the Woods. A couple of the sounds from Neck of the Woods. So some of the sounds from Neck of the Woods. So like they're combining all the things that they've been trying and, and doing stuff, even like their Pickle EP and in, in the early aughts. All of these different sounds that they have experimented with, perfected in the indie scene and whatnot, they have kind of put into physical thrills and really fine-tuned and tweaked and made it to where it almost combines all of those into one record, but it is extremely cohesive. It plays through wonderfully as a record. There isn't one song in here that I want to throw off, and this is one of the extremely rare few albums. I actually love the interludes. I really, really like the interludes. Because, like, just as me jump The Dream at Tempos, yes. Dream at Tempo, because there's a song on Carnivast that's one of my favorite songs called Dream at Tempo 118. Amazing indie track. One of the ones that got me into the indie scene, actually beautiful track in 06 that was released and it's a throwback call out to that but each one for here it like transitions the record and transition keeps transitioning into it so that way it plays through better it's one of the very very few records where i actually like it like those transitions and they are placed perfectly throughout the record even the last one dream at tempo 150 at the end um wow i said it like a fucking pilot uh dream at tempo 150 um i, I i'm fine with 150 last track yeah um for the last track it plays it out beautifully so for a band who's been together for this long and even though like we love um my last record a lot they had a lot of criticism and it kind of fell flat for a lot of like reviews that I looked at and I criticized those reviews. Um, but for them to come out like guns blazing on physical thrills and make one of my favorite, favorite alternative rock records that I've ever listened to on this podcast. This is possibly top five for me. It's up there with preoccupations because pre- uh, preoccupations, are the horrors, this one is my, might be up there with them, which is saying something. So yeah, six and stones, I think is, an incredible track as well. I love that that you said that and you shouted out that track at the beginning. Yeah, I was yeah, about to say that just, the way that stillness leads into Sticks and Stones is the most brilliant thing. I mean, like... Beautiful. I, yeah, let beautiful. me... When you're done, just let me have at it with my whole, like, breaking down Sticks and Stones because I have... No, go into it because I want to get straight to the album, so go ahead. Yeah, I, I've... <sighs> This happens sometimes, usually on Audio Face, if I am listening to a song on my first or second try, and I have to stop that song, like, midway through and, like, replay it, eight times out of ten, it's because of, like, a 21 Savage lyric, (laughs) or, like, some, like, rap verse that's, like, so funny or, like, so weird, honestly, or, like, something I'm just, like, so unbelievable. A a really recent time was when I honestly couldn't believe one of the early songs in Drake's album was as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I literally played it over again because I'm like, no, I refuse to believe that like the last half of the song it's is just that. Drake wailing. But like, yeah, no. It's Sticks like me and start treatment. It's like me and start treatment for Arctic Monkeys, where I just listen to that on repeat ten times and then listen to the complete album after. Yeah. Well, like, it wasn't that because like I didn't even listen to it on repeat. I just like couldn't get through the full song because like my head couldn't follow the drum.
And I was like, no, Daniel, they're oh, doing that on purpose. They're doing that on purpose. Because yeah. like, I'm very, especially when I'm listening to music, I can let a lot of things fall into the back- background almost to a fault. That's why I need to listen to things multiple times. Like I can really get into the instrumentation or the production. Or I can really get into the vocals another listen. But I usually mellow out at the drums like usually the drums like kind of help keep Mm. me going the rhythm the bass these are you know very basic like dan 101 music theory kind of things right no like the the drum signature changes or the drum pattern changes that's not true it's still a four four time signature and like time pattern but the actual drum rhythm that they're doing changes not necessarily just for the chorus or just for the bridge or just for anything else, but basically just through every single movement, they're switching it up. And you could play the same one throughout the entire song, but no, I, again, maybe Sean, I didn't, (laughs) because of doing this podcast and editing it, I don't read a lot of reviews for things unless it's like a band I'm really paying attention to. If it's true, we're like for their last record, um, Widow's Weeds, where Silver Sun Pickups got a lot of bad reviews, uh, which would have been dumb. And Physical Thrills is their Warpath record. Boy, am I love that. <laughs> because, yeah, coming out guns blazing with sticks and stones, it is such, it's, it's borderline math rock. It's borderline, like, art rock. Those kind of things where, like, okay, it's mm-hmm. very specifically drawn out in a pattern. But, like, there's so much good in it. There's so much energy in it that has highs and lows. It is really the perfect alternative rock song for me in the 2020s. I think it pushes everything's forward enough it includes enough experimentation but still enough that will make it approachable to most people it's a fun song it feels like a groove like you know not necessarily the most danceable thing but you know rock not necessarily but still like i I think it's an upbeat paced track that you could play in a lot of places i think it's a very strong second track in an album where usually an artist puts their strongest work there I really cannot sing the praises of the song enough. And I know it didn't get released as a single, which is why like the numbers of it are kind of low right now. But this is going to be like, um, uh, I've been playing Belize basically on repeat, the cheat code song, uh, Black Thought yeah. and Danger yeah. Mouse. There are a couple songs I do that with on Audio Face. Uh, Sticks and Stones is going to be the first alternative rock song to do that for me in a very long time. Yeah, um, that's really cool to hear um because i'm always interested it's funny because you're in a band that i absolutely have loved like my whole life and there's not many people i know that like really like silver some pickups the, the way i've i've enjoyed them the past for their past few records it's interesting to hear that from like that's one of the things i love about this podcast is introducing you to someone like that and then yeah. hearing like your opinions and even though like six and stones is not my favorite track on here at all i really like it i enjoy it but it's interesting to hear like how that really entrenched you into getting into this record which is really cool oh, no, i was balls deep at this point i sent this to my roommate who yeah. by the way is a big silver sun pickups fan so y'all should connect on oh, that oh, and so fuck yeah yeah, he, he's going to listen to this whole album and tell me what he thinks to it, too. But yeah, no, Sticks and Stones, like, you could have ended, like, very real. Like, again, maybe it's, yeah, the Preoccupations album or the Horrors review that we did. Where I was just so amazed by the first, like, couple of tracks. Where I was just like, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, this, <laughs> this, this album could be, like, uh, the last half of this album could be, like, Drake's Honestly Nevermind. I'd probably still give it a 9 out of 10. And I, I will say, though, like, we'll get more into, we spend a lot of time going in this record because we tend to do with albums we really like. I wouldn't, there are parts of this record to me where I feel like are the slower parts that almost, like, lose me in this record. Whereas you said that, like, no song sort of, like, feels out of place. So we might disagree there. But I think from the beginning, we're pretty much aligned. Like, this is just, like, a guns blazing, Beautiful. incredible album just on the way through so stillness way beyond leads into sticks and stones we could spend another half a podcast on hereafter way after is another good thing and those first three songs they do a really good job of the second and third song don't blend into each other the way the first and second ones do but they do a good job of fitting nicely together and then the dream at tempo tracks they do a good job of separating the album into movement sort of exactly they're interludes Mm -hmm. but they're really tasteful interludes so to speak yeah and Scared Together, which is their lead single, I really like the context of the record. You know, it's one of the things where we do an audio phase all the time, right? We listen to a single and then try not to listen to anything else. It's hard for me to do with certain bands, but so with Silver Sun Pickups, I tried really hard. That was the only thing I listened to. I listened to it like three times, and I was like, I'm just going to go cold turkey and wait to the record. And I'm glad I did.
Because Scared Together as a, a standalone track, I actually didn't like it. And I was worried about the record a lot going into this. I was like, ah, shit. I wonder if that may, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't have any other tricks up their sleeves. But now in the context of the record, it's great because you have those three beautiful tracks, right? Stillness, Six and Stones hereafter. You have the interlude breaking it up, Dream at Tempo, Zero Five Zero. And then you have Scared Together. It's a perfect little interlude to get into it where they get more into the experimental stuff. And now with all electronics and really cool bass line and stuff that they do with Scared Together, I'm like, oh, now it makes sense of why you have this track. Now it makes sense of the sound that you're trying to do with this. And then right after it, you have um, Alone on a Hill, which is a really beautiful slower track. And it's placed perfectly after Scared Together, where you have, you know, the first quarter of this, or almost first half of this record is really good experimental alt-rock indie. And then you have Alone on a Hill, and you get to hear Nikki's voice. Nikki is the bass player on Service of Pickups. She has amazing vocals. She's really, really good. And she has a couple of good songs that she's done throughout it. But she hasn't done like a standalone track for a little while for some for service on pickups. And it's beautiful. I'm really, really glad with that placement for it. Um, I didn't know. Me, when I didn't know I that. Got like, to that point, I was like, wow, they are Jesus. Like, this is good. This is really, really good. It's, it's one of those things where I'm like. Uh, unbelievable. It sounds like a Warpath record, like you're describing. It sounds like they got bad reviews for their last record, and they're like, all right, bet. <laughs> I, I love, I mean, I don't love it, because obviously, like, it's a, it's a difficult experience as an artist when, like, it's a relatively easy position with us as music critics, just kind of, like, go in, listen to a record that's finished thing, and maybe we know something about the artist and we care about them, maybe we don't, but we just sort of, like, go in, tear it apart, say what we really like and we really don't like about it. But that's like an artist's life they poured into it a lot of times very personal deep experiences or at the very least it's a lot of time they worked into it and so again we thought widow's reads was good i don't know off the top of my hat how the other reviews were but if they were like no we need to absolutely prove ourselves after this it felt like they did throughout most of this record i think right after alone on the hill maybe even hidden moon sort of like plays around and works right mm-hmm. but i think um like songs seven eight nine ten I feel like is the most like undercooked part of the album, so to speak. Like I think the beginning is really good. I think the end is really good. I think the middle is like almost lets you down at too much of a lull. Alone on a hill is really like perfect. Like it's a little bit slower. Um, it still has a little bit of a tempo. I really love like hearing that. Yeah, the bass, especially the woman bassist, gets like a little bit of time to shine in there, and does a really phenomenal job in that. But yeah, I felt like Hidden Moon and System Error were almost too slow for the songs that bookend them on either side. Like, I almost would have wanted those two kind of things to maybe be interspersed. I don't hate the songs necessarily, but I definitely felt like they, on both of my listens, detracted from like a, you know, there are a couple of albums I listen to, very, very few, that are just like, every single thing is perfect. Not a single T has been replaced that I would place on here. Closest thing I remember off the top of my head to that this year would be Kendrick's album. Um, Kendrick, yeah, yeah, but like, you know, even for me, like the smile. There's a couple of tracks I would move around in the smile. Same, film, so yeah, yeah. I specifically um, omitted the smile there because we reviewed those as, around the exact same time. But I think there are a couple things that were switched around here. Here, I think on audio face switches or moves around are a lot better than cut this entirely. And I don't think I would have cut them entirely. I, I could have probably like gone without either or both of the tracks, but like, I'm also fine with them being there. I just think that putting them somewhere else instead of creating a, you know, seven, 10 minute long, almost like lull point in a really kind of paced in a certain way album. I think that just like broke it up a little bit too much for me, but otherwise, um, every, like, I think right after that second um, interlude dream at tempo 310, you come 
and pick right back up. If we don't come back out, stay down, way down. And then, you know, Dream of Tempo 150 is technically the last song, but it's like an interlude, Quick land the plane kind of deal. Quicksand, yeah. I think, is a phenomenal ending track that... So cool. And in a similar, similar song, Pickup's Way, it takes everything they've brought to the table and takes the best part of what they brought to the table and just combines it into one dish. Almost like one of those mm-hmm. um, top chef type of things where like they have a secret ingredient mm-hmm. and you have to take that secret ingredient and make the best dish out of it you possibly can to impress the judges. Job well fucking done. And I love Dream at Temple one, uh, 150s. It's, it reminds me um, of some of like the ambient sounds you got in uh, Tomorrow's Modern Boxes by Tom York. Like the way you have like that kind of chimey piano and then you have this really fuzzy sound with it and it just ends the album beautifully with it. And I really, really like that where they have like a little singing vocal and stuff. And I know uh, Brian, who's the um, lead vocal uh, vocal and guitarist on Service and Pickups, is a fucking giant Radiohead fan, like Sean level Radiohead fan. So I wonder if he actually got inspiration from Tomorrow's Modern Boxes from that. I'll have to look that up at some point, but... Overall, as a record, Physical Thrills is fantastic. Um, exceeded my expectations tenfold. Um, really made me like appreciate Silver Sun Pickups even more than I already did. And then now, you know, it's one of those things where people ask me, what are your favorite records of the year and stuff? And like, Mr. Morale and Big Steppers is always the first thing that pops up on my mind almost every time I talk about it. Now Physical Thrills is going to pop up. Because to me, like, there's always, like, there's so much good music this year, and it's hard for albums to stick out. Um, you have some good ones from last week too, but Physical Thrills to me now is going to be immediately one that pops to mind because this is just amazing work. Um, and yeah, I'll listen to it. I'll say one last thing in a like a similarly as you are doing to broaden the context of this. Uh, Sean and I came up musically in a time where rock and alternative had much more of a prevalence in the music scene. And that's very much no longer the case. Very much no longer the case. In fact, those would be without indie and a lot of what indie is doing and a couple of other genres here. Like I think folks doing a lot of interesting things. I think there's Mm -hmm. instrument like instrumentation in R&B that is taking stuff from rap, even stuff in, taking stuff from rock, I mean, but even stuff in rap, like with the um, XX Tentacion, the like SoundCloud rap kind of era, is taking a lot of stuff mm-hmm. from rock music. It lives on in that way, but to be able to come out and say, this is a rock record that is phenomenal, that pushes things forward, that doesn't feel like just something old people listen to, is a very strong thing to say in 2022, and it makes me happy as someone who grew up in alternative as a space to be able to say, no, alternative is not only alive, it's kicking. And thank you, Silver Sun Pickups, for delivering that. Truthfully, I don't know if, I mean, we'll have to look back again. I don't know if a lot of artists have, a lot of art, sorry, a lot of alt rock artists have done what Silver Sun Pickups has done or even come close to this year. But I'd say just off the bat before doing the Audio Face Awards, that's the one to beat currently. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. all right, listen, we, we still got... This is actually an interesting time. I think the fall is going to be an interesting time for alternative music because we have Muse coming up. We have the 1975 coming up. There's still some question marks around Arctic Monkeys. That could be, if not this year, maybe wow. early next year. But there's Can't a... For, for those holdouts and alternative music, and um, based on the metrics for Audio Face, I know there are a lot of y'all out there and you, you all watch the show. Um, watch this space. This is going to be a very exciting time for all of us these next couple months. 100%. I'm really excited for it. And I'm not going to miss them on tour this time because I missed them last time. So I'm going to finally fucking see Silver Sun Pickups live. I've waited like 20 years for this At the shit. risk of going further broke, me too, please. <laughs> Invite me. <laughs> <for that. laughs> right. <laughs> I will see them, damn it. I had, I had, I had a ticket to go to um, the, uh, fuck, I forget what, it, uh, the observatory in Orange County and then COVID hit. And then that was my one chance. So sometime. Well, Sean, looks like I just found a motivation for you to help me with the member drive. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. All right. Arbitrary scale. Arbitrary. Oh, sweet baby. Jesus. Yes. Arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on Audio Face because our review, the 15 minutes we just poured our heart and soul into the Silver Sun Pickups record, stands for itself. 
just like the record does. Um, that being said, everyone insists on having some sort of like review thing at the end. So we'll give it to you. We just won't give it to you in a normal ranking system kind of thing because uh, we're not normal. Neither are you. That's why you're here. That's why you're awesome. Anyways, the arbitrary scale this week that we change every single week, but we'll be using for these three albums are explosives and different kinds of explosives. Somehow we have not done this in the 240 odd episodes of this bastard. So I'm going to give these claymores. Claymores are a really good one. That's that's a solid explosive. Yeah, just drop the just drop them bitches by a door. <laughs> Sit and wait, baby. You see those red lines? You're like shit. Sniper is near. Precision crafted performance. <laughs> this is oh shit. This is a bunker buster. <laughs> solid like job from a B two spirit. It costs like three million dollars taxpayer money to blow up a farm that costs two bucks. Got some two bucks, Robert. By American. By American. <laughs> Built Ford tough. Um, anyways. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, we move on to our second album of the week. Uh, Nicole by Nikki. 12 songs, 47 minutes long. Nikki is a very interesting artist out of Jakarta. And, you know, kind of like one of those young, I'd say maybe even a contemporary to Biba Doobie. And like, you know, being like a young female, like South Asian artist, Southeast Asian artist who like kind of comes up to prominence. Of course, Biba Doobie, I think, like moved to England eventually, but like um, kind of coming up to prominence through indie kind of spaces, but also like very pop friendly kind of spaces as well. This is her third record, I believe. She's been on a couple of different compilations projects and has then released like some drops and things like that. And yeah, some good tracks here, but I also worry that there are also some of the typical kind of like pop, you know, pitfalls that I think she's also dropping into as well. And so I came from this album, you know, all right, but I'd say a little bit mixed. There's actually for an indie record is interesting because yeah, you have a lot of pop motifs in here, but you have some songs that I think I actually have some really cool different ideas in here that I like to hear. And this is why we love indie. This is why, you know, it's one of my favorite genres and one of the most exciting genres. And and it's always the one that's most innovative, innovative um, that we're getting. So, like, example, the first track before, it's like a really nice slow track. I don't like that it begins the record. I never like it when it's like super slow tracks open a record because it just never... Very, very rarely, I should say, does it sit a record while. Um, but before, it's just not a track to start a record with. Um, it is a beautiful track. I actually really like it. I love the production on it. Just I would rather have High School in, in Jakarta be the opening track, maybe before be after it, or put before in the middle of it, maybe around Anaheim Milk Teeth, and that would actually fit better within it. But um, anyways, with that, then you get High School in Jakarta, and it's actually this really cool pop indie track that I like a lot. Mixing some pop motifs that normally I don't like that much. Um, but the way that there's the production of it, it makes this really nice transition between pop and indie. And it kind of makes this bridge crossover where you get some artists who have tried, like Claro kind of makes the sound, but I don't like it for her. And some other indie artists, normally I don't like it. But with Nikki, with the way she does the vocals, her voice and everything, it suits this that sound perfectly. And that I really like. And that's saying something for me. I normally do not like these pop motifs at all. To me, it's like kind of cheap. But with the way it's done here, I was like, oh, that's actually a beautiful track. The issue you get with this record is a lot of these tracks are just too sparse, especially in the middle of the record. Because Backburner after it is also a decent pop indie track that I like as well. Um, and Keeping Tabs, another like more quicker pace. So I was like, okay, cool. We're getting into it. Really like that. And I like how it's like very varied in some of the stuff. And she's almost like picking up from like the borderline, like, I don't want to call it hyper pop, but it's like that really quick pace pop. 
Like you get that a lot in in K-pop and a lot of different genres that you might hear here or there. But I like it in the indie sense. It's like, cool, it's kind of a fun Gen Z-ish type of track. The issues where I start to get with the record is it slows down way too much in the middle. With the apartment, we don't we won't share Facebook friends Anaheim to where it's just like it grinds it to a halt. And those tracks are fine by themselves, but in the Anaheim's context very of the record. I mean, like, yeah, this, I, I'm not going to shit on Orange County at this point. I've already gotten a lot of damage, but like, you know, this song named Anaheim is maybe or maybe not like the city. Very beautiful. <laughs> I'll just leave that there and let it be interpreted however anyone else wants to. God damn. Um, but that's where I got into issues with the record. I like I that. I really like that she has a lot of range on this record, especially in indie where one of my issues with indie this year is they're starting to sound all the same. They're starting to just run out of ideas. This is like an absurd amount of ideas or as, as my, one of my favorite films, Amadeus is too many notes, uh, too many notes, just cut a few and you'll be fine. Um, where she has a thousand ideas on there. There's a lot of different things. And the issue with that is you don't get a cohesive record, especially towards the end of it where like he gets like example autumn really cool like experimental indie track that i really like In the context of the record, after like four, uh, four acoustic tracks, it just feels out of place. And, it's, and it sucks because I really like it. So with that, it's just like some editing and some workarounds need to be done because there's a lot of good ideas and there's a lot of good sounds. Vocals are fantastic. Production is really good. It's just the execution of it after like keeping tabs, basically from the fifth song all the way down. It's just very lackluster and not cohesive. It's a classically front-loaded pop record. Yeah. It's very, like, classically. And then, you know, like like you said, like, when it sings at its best, it does. Like, I think, lyrically speaking, songs like The Apartment We Won't Share, Facebook Friends, High School in Jakarta, like you mentioned, they tap into this sort of, um, you know, like, Gen Z, younger zeitgeist, like an Olivia Rodrigo, I think just, like, hits these mm-hmm. lyrics really well for a point in life that like even though we're several years removed from that i think we can remember that point in life of like yeah. high school teenage confusion all those emotions etc like we can relate to that enough yeah. as music reviewers to at least see it in that regard i think that's one of nikki's stronger talents is being able to tap into that similar thing albeit package it in a you know like less disney grand pop kind of way and a little bit more of like an indie approachable for some others kind of way but yeah i think this is leaning way too much into the slower acoustic songs, balance them out and yes. work on, yeah, yeah, work out on some of those ideas. I feel like a lot of those multitudes of ideas were expressed in like the last, like, you know, seven songs, like you know, the apartment we won't share down to the end where you have these slower tracks with a lot of interesting motifs within them. But Seven all together when you have the other, you know, yeah, four yeah. or five at the top, it just feels so out of place. It, it makes me mm-hmm. wonder, okay, what are the first five songs doing? That's why I start to feel like it's a, I, I don't mean to say bait and switch as though like, yeah, I feel like cheated out of this, but yeah, like it's a front loaded record because the back of the album is not able to cash the check that the front of the album wrote. Which is, which, is a shame, which is a shame. It definitely detracts from what I think is a talented artist, but maybe just not the greatest execution here from my first record listening to them, of them, of them. Yep. Uh, very much agree. Uh, we'll definitely look for future projects, and I hope that other projects won't fall flat like this one, because there's a lot of good ideas. It's just editing and 
you know, just better production and that way need to be uh, need to be executed well. So yeah, it does give me um a least of an inclination to go into uh Moonchild and Zephyr before we review Nikki's next project because those are her oh, um, prior projects. And yeah, I, I definitely want to see. I feel like there's a lot there. Uh, you know, with a lot of artists, so I can say like more confidently, like Biba Doobie, we've listened to a ton of artists like albums before that, so we can confidently say. Okay, they've worked to this here. We've seen this before. Yeah. They just aren't executing it right now. It feels like that might even be the case. It's just one of those times where I have to say, just transparently as a music reviewer, I haven't gone that back into the discography, which, not to toot our own horn, but you have to appreciate about this podcast in that we um, will just tell you what we don't know as opposed to uh, certain outlets, which will just wing it. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Anyways, arbitrary scale. We do arbitrary scales every week on this podcast because our review is our review. It stands for itself on its own. It's very detailed. If we gave you any other type of ranking system, it just wouldn't make sense, especially if it were just letters or numbers. So let's just throw that out all the way and give you the ranking system that doesn't make sense right off the bat. Because again, we're transparent. <laughs> um, this, I'm going to give this a dirty bomb. Dirty bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking IED over here. No, no, this is this one is a uh, Home Depot buckets. Oh, oh, okay. Um, be careful what you say, Sean, before yeah, you end up I'm on not, the list. Yeah, it's. I was gonna say some wild things. I'm not going to anymore. Maybe, maybe Due for the, the conditions maybe, of my parole. Maybe for the list, we should have used the anarchist cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> use use the the Turner Diaries or something wild like that. Whoa. <laughs> that's the most that's the most I'll say. That's that's the line, baby. That's the line. I did not expect a Turner Diaries drop on any episode of Audio Face, but I mean clearly we need to do make a new edition of the bingo cards because <laughs> the episode's definitely That's a bingo. This is um oh, this is a we are inside baseball for the few people who watch the end of these reviews. We are one year from the uncut gems moment of audio face. <laughs> oh shit, we are. <laughs> At least we're one year removed from Jesus. Uh, sorry, it's not, not Jesus. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Donda. Donda, yeah. Donda. 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 Anyways, Donda. yeah, this, this is my dirty bomb. You know, not, not, a, not a precision vehicle by any means, but you know, mm-hmm. gets the job done. Bring me, show me the bucket. <laughs> show me the bucket. This is, show me the bucket. Show me the bucket. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> That's still my notification sound for you, by the way. That's a good sound. What explosive is this? Um, this is definitely a C four that you strap to a car and you jump out of the car and then hand detonate it. Oh man, car like uh, literal car bomb. That's where we're at. I love it. Last album review of the week. A little bit indulgent for me, but um, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Freak Out release by Hot Chip, 11 songs, 47 minutes long. Hot Chip are a band. Uh, no, no, they're, uh, they're a group that has been making, you know, glitchy, post-techno. I wouldn't quite call it electronic music, but it's definitely the earliest, like, synth electronic that you could, like, have feasibly. They're at the stuff in the 2000s, so to speak. And I remember them, like, remixing songs. They did a lot of Gorillaz mm-hmm. remixes back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. They had their own um, really good tracks, like back from The Warning, which was the first um, truly hot chip album that I remember. Um, but they've been really holding it down through the decades with albums like In Our Heads that had a lot of classics. Why Make Sense, which was um, had a really great, a lot of things that people liked. Uh, a Bath Full of Ecstasy, which we reviewed on Audio Faced, and we liked a Love. good amount of it. I love um, that record. Speaking of, as we were talking about earlier in this episode with Silver Sun pickups and songs that hold longevity with you, Hungry, Hungry Child. Child. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Listen to the shit out of this song, dude. Got a lot of mileage out of that track. And yeah, like I've loved a lot of Hot Chip remixes too. I want to say there's a Hot Chip remix of Kids and Gu- Kids with Guns by Gorillaz that goes about as hard as the real song. Um, like it's one of those 192000 type Soul Child remix type deals where the remix is almost better than the original. 
But that brings us to Freak Out Release, which is a collection of really nice tracks. I think some of them, you know, I th- I'd probably say my favorite Hot Chip to date record may have either been um, really long time ago, The Warning, where you had songs like, I mean, yeah, Boy From School, The Warning, So Glad to See You, No Fit State, like tracks like that. But mm, actually, no. Why makes mm, actually no? I'd say why makes sense would be my favorite Hot Chip album because you have Harache Lights, Easy to Get, Why Makes Sense, like all these songs that are just classics on there. Um, the Warning's a good one, but I really did like a bath full of ecstasy. I was able to play through enough of that really well and get a really good thing out of it. What I feel unfortunately happens sometimes with Freak Out and Release, I'd say far too often than I like to, which is why I'm making a point about in this review, is that they get into this sort of stale repetition where they're almost like, okay, we're hot chip, we're doing the thing, we're making the song. And we're like, oh boy, we've been making techno synth alternative rock songs for the past 20 years and we are not sure how to reinvent the wheel yet. And so you get a lot of songs that... It's weird. It doesn't even necessarily sound like old hot chip songs. They're still making new songs. There, are, there's some bands like the Dandy Warhols where I feel like they they discovered the, one riff and they've been making that riff it. for the past twenty years. It's a damn good yeah. riff, but like you're not moving that. These feel like new hot chip songs, but they feel like hot chip songs that could have been released five, ten years ago. It, it doesn't feel like it's acknowledging a lot of yeah. newer music, so to speak. That's what I saw. I, I think that actually nails it on the head because I was wondering what I th- was trying to think of the sound of this record because it definitely sounds new for in a hot chip sense, but in a way where it sounds dated, I think is a good way to explain it. There are some really good tracks in there. I absolutely love the title track, Freak Out Release. I think it's a cool, fun, different track. Like it reminds me of some like early LCD sound system and the way that's made. Um, and with that, I like that. Um, you have like down towards the like latter half of the record, you have Mr. Bliss. I love it. Or almost sounds like experimental Depeche mode in a way. You have time right before that, which is really dancey and fun. But the issue you get with this record is, you know, you have three tracks, Broken, Not Alone, Hard to Be Funky with uh, Lou Hader. And those tracks just feel dated in a way. Like they don't, they are new hot chip tracks. They don't necessarily belong on any other hot chip record. But for that, it's like, it just sounds like something that I could hear maybe in like 2007, 2008 come out. And at that time, I think it sounds really cool. But now it just feels, it falls flat. It feels dated. doesn't feel like there's any like progress in the way of their sound for it. And that's where, I was actually starting to get a little worried with this record. Um, towards the end, just go ahead. I was gonna say I'll go a little bit of a step further. To me, like I like Hot Chip because even like when they're remixing songs, they do a lot of remixes of other artists' things. Their remixes sound characteristically Hot Chip. Like they sound like DJs, even though yeah. they're like yeah. bigger works. In fact, they can make a characteristic sound that like is characteristically them. Um, Eleanor. Uh, the second track on here. Eleanor. Sounds yeah. like a Roosevelt track.
It, it sounds like Elliot to me, which Elliot was a good ass track that was oh, released. Oh, kind of sound early, like Elliot. Yeah, it was released in the earlier part of the decade, in like 2012, yeah, like 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, hard to be funky. It has some like Alex Turner, like <laughs> lyrical, like turns into it. Like the way he like kind of does that little mm-hmm. bit when he kind of gets to the pre chorus and everything like there. It has some Arctic Monkeys flair to it, but again, Arctic Monkeys flair from like 2012, 2013. Someone going like, what the hell, Hot Chip? Like, I had no, this was not a complaint I had even remotely from Bath Full mm-hmm. of Ecstasy or Why Makes Sense, which by the way, came out in 2015, right? So like, exactly. it would have been most acceptable in those cases. It would have felt a little outdated in Bath Full of Ecstasy and I didn't like every part of that record, but no, this feels like almost, you know, tasteful, if not a little bit on the nose, sort of hot chip giving waves to their like favorite artists of the past decade. But again, hot chip, this is not a remixes record. Like this is y'all. Y'all get to make your effort musically. And this feels like, yeah, yeah, this feels like. I'm not going to go that far because that's insulting, but it feels like you're approaching a covers band, so to speak. And there are some um, old storied bands who have essentially become covers bands um, over the past couple years that are terrible. They're so terrible that I will not even insult you or implicate you by mentioning the names of those bands that rhyme with schmeezer. Okay? Like, I will not compare Hot Chip to a band like that, but I feel like Hot Chip is capable of originality and I don't feel a lot of this and when you do get it it's just sort of you know i'll forget it it doesn't have that longevity thing which is what we're talking about from the beginning yeah that's like that's the issue with this whole record is you know they got they got the curse of making some fantastic records the past basically 20 years or so um and the issue with that is just I feel like they're afraid to step out of the box in that way because they've been stepping out of the box for so long that they got trapped into the own box that they created. Um, And that's what you get with this record. Again, you do have some good ideas. You have some great tracks in here. But this album just doesn't feel like it belongs in this decade. It doesn't feel like it belongs in 2022. Like, example, we just reviewed some of some pickups. Even though it's alt-rock, a genre which is, you know borderline dead in a way because of different artists they made it feel sound fresh they made it feel new and they've been around just as long um so for hot chip to do this and come out with a record that just falls face flat to me it's disappointing in a way um and i'm interested very very interested to see where they go from here um because to me they have to really get out of their comfort zone and figure out a way to I wouldn't say like reinvent themselves in a way because I don't necessarily like that for artists, but to find more of themselves, to find another notch, to find another degree that they could work in, stay still stay hot chip in a way, but do something where they have other ideas and not yeah, grab ideas from 2008 and 2015, 2013, and then bring them all into one record where it just all sounds dated. Try to find something where you can get like ideas from you can even get ideas from Roosevelt's album uh last year or something there is fantastic so you can get some stuff that some of the artists that you can hear the the ideas that they're, they're I won't say stealing from but they're they're getting from and those artists have already moved on from that sound so with that it's like you know you can do a lot more and yeah, i hope to do a lot more just on that to <clears throat> jump off of that point Sean like I've seen the more recent Roosevelt shows. In fact, Roosevelt's doing a show in LA soon, but it's going to be a DJ set. And yeah, DJ. He, he does hell DJ. But here's, here's the deal, though. Like, I've now seen Roosevelt do <clears throat> DJ sets like as part of his regular shows. That's what I saw him do back in Manchester. He did it with a live band, but like for the encore. And then he would stretch out the conclusions of certain songs and make them DJ tracks. 
and they were very funky. They were very housey. Like, dude, when I tell you, like, I have shitty recordings that will not do it justice, but I'll have to send them to you anyways. Like, it is great. But, like, now I have to go back and go, wait, this is what Hot Chip did in the 2000s. So now we look at this kind of race where, like, is Roosevelt going to be Hot Chip before Hot Chip becomes Roosevelt? <laughs> it seems like, yes. I mean, I hate to make those dichotomies here because that's not necessarily the competition, but, like, what we're trying to say is that, like, Hot Chip sounds like they're chasing newer artists that they kind of like, almost as if they're about to remix their songs, rather than doing what Hot Chip is good at as a band individually with what they do, which is what they are good mm-hmm. at. I think other artists who are like just coming up inspired by bands like Hot Chip are going to get better at remixing and DJing faster than Hot Chip gets good at um, mimicking artists that they like the sounds of. So basically what I'm saying is Hot Chip, stick to what you're good at doing because you're one of the few bands with like 20 years of staying power who could if you really wanted to still be doing it. But like this, I'll be honest, this album does not bring me as much confidence as I want to be. It's not a flop. It's not disastrous. It's not terrible, but Hot Chip can definitely do better. And I don't know if many, if any of these songs will stay with me as well as previous Hot Chip records have in the past. And that's a shame because you hate to see it. We talked about in the uh, spoiler in the Muse episode, you hate to see an artist be good and then stop being good and then continue to stop being good for a long time. It makes you wonder, will they ever turn around? And, um, check out the Muse bonus episode um, that we'll be posting for members and publicly very soon for the answer on whether or not Muse was ever able to turn around and when that point of um, turning bad was, because that's arguable too. But I-, I hope it turns out better for Hot Chip. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Arbitrary scale. You know what show you're watching. This week it's, <laughs> this week it's, it's explosives. And uh, <laughs> Sean, what are you going to give this? Um, Jesus. I'm gonna give this one. Oh, go ahead. uh, 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 No, I was gonna say everything I'm saying is really uh, everything I'm thinking is really bad. But we're gonna go with this. We're gonna go with one stick of dynamite. That's it. Simple, all reliable. I was gonna go with um one of those unexploded bombs that's in like the countryside in France. Oh, shit. <laughs> one of those things you just your grandson digs up and you're like ah shit here we go again <laughs> one of what, those things that just evacuates an entire city yeah one of my favorite quotes from the uh steve carell 2008 remake of get smart i'll have mm. you hunting for landmines with a hammer <laughs> <laughs> i love i really like that the remake of get smart super underrated movie and i also think that uh the 2020s especially is a time where we need some absurd spy comedies. Just like the culture needs some absurd spy comedies to keep us away from um, superhero films and whatever dumb, weird, horny shit A24 is working on currently. And like, um, we, we, we need something to bring us a return to form back to cinema. Uh, James, James Bond with more laughs. Uh, just don't make Austin Powers again because someone has to give Mike Myers a break. Yeah, please don't. Anyways, uh, we usually end Audio Face right here and go into the members portion, but members are going to be getting a Muse bonus earlier this week, so we decided to distribute the love a little bit and uh, remind folks of a little bit what they're missing in the members portion. A little bit of a quick hit fun note, a little bit of a news portion before we end out the show here. And uh, Usually we have a segment called um, Insert Artist Here, Pay Your Taxes. But we also have like a, a cousin, a sister of the segment, if you will, <laughs> called um, Insert Artist Here, Pay Your Workers. This week, Rick Ross, <laughs> who apparently um, the boss. Who apparently went so far that his um, Rick Ross the Boss, Boss Wing Enterprises LLC, has been ordered to pay uh, 100 racks to the U.S. Department of Labor for labor violations. Uh, basically, legal breaches, reading from AV Club here, um, an investigation from the department reportedly found the company illegally mandated workers to pay for their uniforms and any cash register shortages, a practice that effectively Damn. dipped their minimum wage before the federal bottom-most limit of $7.25 an hour. And I actually don't know if 
Mississippi is one of those states where like they allow you to go underneath the minimum wage if you are um a service worker. Mm. Oh no no. It's it's just straight um seven dollars twenty five. So they use the federal God, minimum wage, damn. they don't use the tipped wage. The tipped wage is worse because that means, oh, you get tips, so we can give you two bucks an hour. That's totally fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that should that should completely be um That's slavery at that point. Yeah. It's definitely not a choice. But um <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 you got that one slowly. And it, re- reading again from AV Club again, shout out to uh, Hattie Lindert who wrote this. Um, in addition, the investigation alleges that a 15 year old employee was allowed to work past 10 p.m. on multiple occasions, which violates a um, FLSA child labor mm-hmm. law work standards. And when all was said of done, Boss Wings was fined a total of $51,000, more than $51,000 in back wages and liquidated damages for 244 workers with another s- about 63,000 in civil money penalties. God damn. Um and yeah, the the law came down pretty hard. Uh district director Audrey Hall of the Wage and Hour Division said, "The law prevents Boss Wing Enterprises LLC from shifting operating costs to workers by deducting the cost of uniforms, cash register shortages, or training expenses or to allow a worker's pay to fall below the minimum wage rate." So yeah, it's you're not supposed to pay for your training. You're not supposed to no. pay for uniforms that you're supposed to wear on the job. If you have to wear uniforms on the job, your job is supposed to provide those uniforms for you or reimburse you for the cost of those uniforms to you know, fit in your size and whatnot, right? Because if it's a requirement for the job and it's not something that you know people carry around all the time, they'll give it to you to do the job generally as a bare minimum kind of thing. Uh, Rick Ross's response... When you make, when you run in a business, there'll always be some mistakes. <laughs> but as the biggest boss, you never make the same mistake twice. Taking accountability is big when you're the biggest. I swear to you, I'm not adding anything here. I'm still reading straight from the quote. And remember this. Most successful people don't take stumbling as a setback, but actually a stepping stone to greater things. End quote. Oh. Hey, 9-11. <laughs> Dude, like, you, this isn't a mistake, all right? This is a, I'm going to save money by having my workers pay for shit that I should be paying for. Exactly. It's like, this has, this is a cost. It has to be paid by somebody. Either it's going to be paid by me or it's going to be paid by the workers. And in order to have the workers pay for things that they are training for, you have to deliberately make the decision to have the workers pay for it because the default option is for you to pay for it, okay? So I would say this is a little bit more than a mistake. I wish you would take a little bit more you know, responsibility for this other than saying, hey, when you're the biggest boss, the mistakes end up going up to you. And you know what? I'll maybe be charitable and say, okay, yeah, the biggest mistakes do go up to you. Just uh, pay your fucking workers and uh, don't call this a mistake because... Uh, when you're the boss, Rick Ross, we did a story about him talking about how he's so bored as shit with his life. He's doing the side missions. He's running a farm up at his property. All right. <laughs> pay your fucking workers. <laughs> Pretty simple, dude. Just pay it, pay it up. Yeah. Um, Make enough, dude. Come on now. Literally. You, boss wing. Inter- you were out franchising wing. Like if you were at the point in your life where you are a black celebrity and you're franchising a fast food restaurant, which is actually like, this is a point in black celebrities career. If you dig down deep enough, killer Mike's got restaurants. Uh, <laughs> uh, who is it? Uh, Drake, Dave's hot chicken. Drake owns part of that. They're opening Dave's hot chickens left to right in Los Angeles. Drake owns part of that. All right. Um, a lot of artists, they get into the food franchising game, essentially uh, Shaq. That's what I was thinking of. Who you may not think of as a musician, but um, I, I, I then compare you to DJ Shaq and then the rest is history. But point is like this is a point of truly wealth building for a lot of celebrities of color. And we can get into landlords, things, all that kind of stuff. And in fact, these are those dynamics right here where, yeah, Rick Ross has a position of power and he's choosing to exploit child labor and pay his adult labor um, 
less than they should be effectively because they have to pay for their uniforms and their training. I I cannot believe it. The only other place where you're allowed to pay for your own training is college and universities and um, special trade schools. Um, so um, with that being said, Sean and I are going to get back to our lives. <laughs> this has been Audio Fake. Yep. <laughs> and on that sobering note, uh, what does it mean to play us out? Uh, Sean can be found on Twitter and Instagram if he trusts you at SWSORAS. I can be found on Twitter and Twitch at Dan from the Web, on Instagram and TikTok at Dan from the Internet. The entire show can be found on Twitter or Instagram at AudioFacePod or at YouTube.com slash AudioFacePod. We're posting clips almost every single weekday, and uh, we really love all the people who are watching those clips and liking and commenting and especially subscribing because uh, we want to grow this bastard. And we're actually doing pretty well um, inside baseball to getting Audio Face monetized. Audio Face and Dan from the Internet are now actually about the same spot, which is kind of surprising. So um, that's interesting. We will see which one wins the race first. Uh, the winner will be me at the end of the day, anyways. No, I'm kidding. I mean, kind of. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, uh, please thank you for watching. Check out the Muse bonus. I'll be coming out soon. Whether you're a Syndicate 23 member, it's out already on the members' website, um, content.syndicate23.co if you're not a member yet go to that website I just listed or go to join.syndicate23.co and it'll be like two seconds faster. And yeah, stick around. This is going to be a very interesting, this is usually the time of year where we say, all right, the summer lull after the summer craziness is now kind of in its peak. We're going to the end. Now we're getting into fall. Nothing but fun coming for us now. Should be, should be exciting. So um, cheers to y'all. Salute.